Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. It is uh, too good to be celebrating the arrival of the Messiah, this celebration of God's love. Now, we, we got a concert planned for a week from tonight in this room, and this is designed to be a time of music and Christmas and celebrating that together, but also something to which we can invite our family, our friends, our neighbors, some work associates, folks that actually maybe don't quite get the significance of Christmas. There's going to be no preaching at them, but uh, a, a great place to invite them, as well as on Christmas Eve. Uh, it will be a time for us to gather together to celebrate, but another opportunity for us to invite folks who uh, may not quite understand the full meaning and the depth of Christmas. So we're talking about how everybody has a story to tell. Every, uh, every one of us. And we're getting really close to Christmas. We're going to look at the account of Jesus' birth from Matthew. And here's, I think, what Matthew's trying to convey. The Christmas story is filled with meaning. It's filled with significance. But we can actually be very close to it and miss it. And yet this story of God's love and sending his son into the world ultimately to be our redeemer, it's for everybody. And its meaning can be found by anybody who's willing to be open to look for it. Now we're going to look at five stories here this morning. The first one is going to be about Joseph. Now, there's very little written about Joseph, but he's the guy again engaged to be married to Mary, and then she conceives by the Holy Spirit, and he's the adoptive, and this is an important thing for us, legal father of Jesus. And he provides for, and he's going to protect his family. He's a good dad. We're also going to look at the Jewish people. Now, there's barely a mention of them in the text. But Matthew, I think, is a brilliant writer. And I think he's trying to convey a lot with a small mention. But he's going to reference them simply as all Jerusalem. Then we want to look at the Jewish religious leaders. And uh, they're going to be mentioned as the chief priests and the scribes. These are essentially the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are the guys that are in charge of promoting the Jewish faith. And then we're going to look at a guy. You've probably heard of him, Herod. Oh, man, interesting, interesting guy. His father knew Julius Caesar and so likely had some influence in getting him his role. He was appointed the king of Judea in about 40 BCE. So he was king of this area for about 40 years before Jesus was born. He, for those who are history buffs, he ushered in the Herodian dynasty and got some folks to follow him. He was responsible for the construction of the temple wall, which is the Western Wall in Jerusalem in 1972. I saw it. The guy was great at building what we would reference today as infrastructure. He publicly at a few points identified himself as a Jew, not in terms of ethnicity, but in terms of faith. 
Now his immoral lifestyle on a lot of fronts at least contradicted the fact that he was a good Jew and he could be a mean guy as an understatement. I was reading one article where they said he executed his favorite wife. I'm not sure you can call the woman you kill your favorite wife, but that's a matter of, of discussion. And, and at least uh, two sons. And then we're going to look at these guys. It's translated here in, in the wise men, magi. And we're going to look at them. And I, I want you to notice, we're going to try and look at today, how Matthew is giving us a picture of these people. Again, I think the message is we can be close to this Christmas story and maybe not yet. And yet, it's for anybody, anybody who's open to it. So, Lord, I pray as we look at these words that were first penned by Matthew, I pray, though this story is familiar, you would give us new insights new gleanings that come from Matthew's intent as he was inspired by you that as always touch our heads and our hearts. May the truth of what happened roughly 2,000 years ago, I pray that that significance would increase in our heads and in our hearts today so that this Christmas might for all of us be our best Christmas ever. That's my prayer, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, the Magi. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. Impossible to know who they are. Impossible to know exactly from where they came. Now, we just sang, I love that song. How many of you love that song, We Three Kings? Uh, they were not kings, and we get a lot of our picture of this from some of the hymns and choruses and carols that have been put together, and we don't know that there were three. I think people go to three because there were three gifts, but not necessary. We don't know how many. We don't know exactly what they were and who they were. We don't know exactly where they came from. But we do know some things from Babylon, Persia, and all that. So, looking and starting with Joseph. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when we look at Joseph, just a couple of things that I, want, I think Matthew wants to make sure that we see. And the first one is this. He was a good man. You'll notice what Matthew says in the text about him. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, we're not told how Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant. We don't know if she told him, if she told somebody else. We don't know if he just didn't find out when it became physically evident 
But he took the step that I think we understand most of us would be a reasonable step if we found out that the woman to whom we were engaged was pregnant. Now, according to Old Testament law, he actually could have had her stoned. But what Matthew wants us to see, he's a good guy. He doesn't want to embarrass her. He doesn't want to humiliate her. Now, make sure you get this. He doesn't want to marry her because he assumes reasonably she made choices. But Matthew wants us to see this is a good man. This is a loving man faced with a challenging situation. And he's a man that trusts God. Uh, Matthew went on, when Jesus, Jesus woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is most of what we know about Joseph. A key guy in Jesus' life, his legal father, his adoptive father, there's not much. But what we see is this guy intimately involved, he gets it. And he ends up taking Jesus to be his son. And God was working. We're going to look at, at, John, at Matthew 1.18 through 2.12 today. Now, if you read all the way through chapter 12, there are five references that Matthew goes back to the Old Testament. We're just going to look at two of them. But five references in this birth account of Jesus. Matthew wants us to see this isn't by accident. God is working. Now, we're just going to look at the portion of a text. Well, there will be two. But don't miss this again, because this is a big idea, Matthew, that this, is, this arrival of Jesus is not by accident. And all this took place, quoting Isaiah 7, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now we're going to read a big chunk of text, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And in this, we're going to see the Jewish people, the Jewish religious leaders, Herod, and the wise men, and then we'll unpack it after we read it and look at the stories of each of these guys. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went on before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So we looked at Joseph. Let's now look at the Jewish people. A minimal, minimal reference to them. I actually think it's significant that he doesn't say much if you look at what he does say. They had a Jewish theology. They got this. This is the long-promised Messiah. Now, we picked it up at chapter 1, verse 18. Anybody know what chapter 1, verses 1 through 17 are about? It's the part we all skip over. Bores the living daylights out of it. This is genealogy. Starts with Abraham. Here are the big characters. And then moves to David. And then moves to Joseph. Jesus' legal father. This is a big deal. Now lots of ideas in there. But I think two in Matthew's mind as he tells us this story. The first one is this. This really happened. Over centuries, this had predicted, and this promise that he would come from the house and lineage of David, Abraham was made a promise. This Jesus, he fulfills all those promises. This is the truth. This is reality. And the second one is, they'd been waiting for centuries for this. Centuries. Matthew tells us there were 14 generations from Abraham to David. And then there were 14 generations from David to the Babylonian captivity. And then there were 14 generations from the Babylonian captivity to the birth of Christ. Here's what Matthew's doing. He's setting it up for 1.18 and chapter 2. He's trying to show us these Jewish people had waited a long time for this Messiah. This was the promise which they'd been waiting for for centuries and Matthew's trying to tell us the wait is over. Now notice what he tells us about the response of the Jewish people. They heard the promise that the king of the Jews had been born. And they were afraid. Matthew wants us to see we can be so close to the truth and the significance of Christmas and miss it. We should have expected them to be overjoyed and thrilled. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Who else was troubled? All Jerusalem with him. They should have been celebrating. They should have been saying, oh man, we got to go see this baby. The Messiah is here. Now I think they lived in a place with a politician that was a nasty guy. My best sense is their fear of how Herod would respond to the king of the Jews when he's the king 
surpassed their hope in the Savior. I guess I'd summarize it this way. My sense is what Matthew's trying to tell us is their fear of what the politician might do got more of their attention than the Christ child. Jewish religious leaders. Don't miss what Matthew tells us about these guys. They, of course, had heard now that the king of the Jews had been born. They're entrenched in this prophetic stuff. But notice what Matthew tells us. They're relatively indifferent and apathetic. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. What else does Matthew say about these guys? Nothing. Nothing. Well, we've heard the Messiah is born. Herod asks, where is he born? Oh, and forgive me, those of you at home, if I went outside, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to stand here exactly. (laughs) If there's anybody that should have gotten this, anybody that should have been elated, But their Old Testament knowledge did not inspire them to even go look for the Savior. I think they were comfortable. Life was pretty good. Oh, the Messiah might be here. (sighs) Yeah. What are we having for lunch? You know, right now as a religious leader here, I'm pretty comfortable. Got a nice house, got plenty of food, people respect me. Matthew wants us to see we can be so close to the truth of who Jesus is and his birth and miss it. Herod. Oh boy. He's immersed in Jewish culture and theology. He knows this. He's been king there for 40 years. He detested the arrival of the Savior, the King of the Jews, I believe, for obvious reasons. He liked his power. He liked his authority. He liked being in charge. He deceived others for his own benefit. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, now I think the wording here is significant. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Their question isn't, where's the baby who's been born who's going to become the king of the Jews? Where's the baby that's been born that is the king of the Jews? So Herod appropriately in one sense, would have taken that 
as an immediate threat. This wasn't something when the kid reached 18 or 21 he had to worry about. Where is he that is born, has been born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, people get excited about this. Here's what I think happened. There's over there in Babylon or Persia, we don't know, and and a star rises in the distance and they see it. Somehow from their familiarity with Jewish theology, you got Jews again in Babylon and all of us over there, they know something, but they see this star and they go, okay, this somehow, they see this as a sign of the king of the Jews has been born. Does it say that they followed the star to Jerusalem? No. They saw a star, they associated somehow with the king of the Jews being born, and they go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the capital city. If you're looking for the birth of the king, where do you go? You go to Jerusalem. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them, now he doesn't want this to be known, what time the star had appeared. He's trying to figure out, make sure he can take care of that kid. And he sent him to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come to, may, to may come and, and worship him. Just lies through his teeth to him. And essentially gets away with the lie. It appears as though it's worked. So you got Herod. His power, his authority, his lifestyle is threatened. And he's going to do whatever he can to destroy the Savior. Now, we're not going to read the text today, but if you go through chapter 2, you know where Matthew goes with this account and what Herod does to the babies under 2 in Bethlehem. Because he wants to destroy this Christ child. Threatens his life. Now, we have people in our world that are still threatened by Jesus. And there are those who take most aggressive action in different parts of the world to try and get rid of Jesus. And there are those who would take less physical aggression, but uh, aggressive intellectually because they see this baby and Christianity as a threat. We still live in a world where people are responding like this. Again, don't miss part of what Matthew's trying to say. Herod was really close. Everybody he's talked about so far, Joseph got it. The Jewish people, the Jewish religious leaders, and Herod. Don't miss this, folks, and Matthew's telling them a story. They were all very close. If there's anybody that you would expect to get it, it would be these guys. Don't miss this as Matthew gives us this picture of Jesus. And we'll look at this last group, the wise men, the magi. We really don't know who they are. We're not exactly sure where they came from. 
But how did they respond? Somehow they were connected, had to have some familiarity, likely from Jews being in their area. And they were open to God's leading. And we're not exactly sure how when they saw the star, they connected it with the birth of the Messiah. We're not exactly sure. And people look at the stars. I've, oh, I've read so many articles over the year. Was it a supernova? Was it a comet? Was it the alignment of the planets? Let me give you my bold, confident, absolutely certain answer. I have no idea. <laughs> but they saw a star. And somehow for them, that signified that the baby who was to be the king of the Jews had been born. And don't miss this, the king of the Jews. At his trial, it's how Pilate referenced it. When he hung on the cross, anybody remember the title? King of the Jews. This all fits together. And they traveled, oh, I don't know, depending on where they came from, 400 to 800 miles, something like that, to get to Jerusalem. And here's an extraordinarily, I think, significant fact. You got all these Jews, all these folks that are so close. These guys are Gentiles. They're Gentiles. These first guys, other than the shepherds, to come worship the Messiah, they're Gentiles. Though the Messiah is coming from the Jews, it was promised all the way back to Abraham that this baby that was eventually going to come from him and from David was going to be for all people. Now, here's a map back in the day. Can you see over here Babylonia and Assyria? You, you see it all there? You got the Arabian Desert down there and... They came from somewhere over there. Is that, you like the precision there? They came from the east. And if you look at the map today, we would call it, you know, likely Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Iran, maybe the eastern part of Turkey. Here's again that I can say with absolute certainty. From where did they come? Somewhere from the east. That's as precise as Matthew gets. But they weren't on the inside. They weren't that close. What Matthew wants us to see, huh, they did not have the advantages of everybody else in the story. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, so you see him contrasting the Magi, you see it, right, with the Jewish religious leaders, with the Jewish folks, with Herod, can you see the contrast? This is the guy's story that as Matthew writes the book, he says, be like these guys. Don't be like the other guys. Be like these guys. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They looked for and they recognized and were open to the truth of Jesus. They had their minds, and they were like, hey, this Messiah, this King of the Jews, he's going to come. Here's the sign that he is here. And they responded to God's leading. They were open. 
We just live in a culture where it feels like on a lot of subjects, people's minds are just not very open. Feels like to me, to some degree, to just about anything. We make up our minds on whatever it is and we're just going to hold that view and we turn our minds on to defend the view we hold rather than be open to just looking for truth. It's not a positive way to go through the world. And they responded to God's leading and they worshiped the Messiah. And Jesus' birth, oh, don't miss this, is for absolutely everyone. And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose now went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So they get to Jerusalem, they ask Herod, he says to Bethlehem, they go on their way and oh, there's the star again. Oh man, it really is true. These guys are elated. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Rejoicing with great joy. You remember what he said about the Jewish people? Their response was fear. The Jewish leaders, their response was Pass the potato salad. When they saw the star, here's the response when we go to Christmas. Here's what Matthew's saying. Even if we're familiar with the story, here's what we think and here's what we feel. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Not just joy, but mm, it made them so stinking happy they could not stand it. And going into the house, how old is Jesus? Not sure. Somewhere under two. Not in a stable anymore. These guys get there sometime in his first two years. They saw the child with Mary and his mother and they fell down and they worshipped him. Now did they understand the incarnation? Did they get all that? I'm sure they visited with Joseph and Mary and they got some picture of it. I, I don't know how full their theology was, but they got this. This kid is special. He is the one born king of the Jews. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother and they found out, fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, resins that come from trees. and Valuable, valuable stuff. And then being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. We want to be like the Magi. Open to seeing the truth of who Jesus is celebrating and worshiping him and understanding this this overriding theme as well of matthew the entire bible god was working and we don't want to miss it here again the second place where it's referencing old testament prophecy quoting micah and they told him in bethlehem of judea for so it is written by the prophet and you O bethlehem in the land of judah are by no means least among the rulers of judah 
For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. And God was working. Joseph got a dream. The wise men got a dream. Unmistakable evidence that God was working. There was a star. God did something miraculous to guide the wise men there. But he was using people all along the way. And I, I don't want us to miss this. That God was working in the regular ho-hum decisions of people. I just want you to think about this. The wise men get to Jerusalem to find this baby, but they don't know exactly where he is. So who do they ask? I think they have no idea how troubling this is going to be for Herod. So they go ask Herod. Where does Herod find out where the baby's from? You remember from the text? From whom did Herod get the information? From the religious leaders. They're apathetic. Herod hates him. But just notice how Matthew tells this story. Because what he wants us to see is he's using dreams, he's using stars. He's actually all, also using the regular conversation. These wise men, could he have just led them to Bethlehem, bypassing Herod and all the, the religious leaders? The answer to that is yes, he's God. He pretty much, if he wanted to make it clear to them directly, he could have done it. But how does God work to get the wise men the information from Herod who wants to kill him and from the religious leaders? Are you following me? So you got these human beings making decisions, responding, having no idea really of the implications and how God's designed this to work. According to Luke, how did Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem? Anybody remember? Pardon? We decided there should be a census. Who decided? Here's what Matthew wants us to see. He doesn't just work through the star. He doesn't just work through these dreams. But he works through everyday life and the decisions that people are making. And so the reality is God is still working. 2,000 years later, at Christmas time, God is still working. And Jesus' birth should still fill our hats with that rejoicing with exceeding great joy as we ponder what this is. The angel told Joseph, this baby who was conceived in your betrothed is coming into the world to save people from their sins. Oh, man, this message ought to continue to light us up and fill us with hope. And God is, is still using us to point others to Jesus. Everybody's got a story this Christmas season we're all interacting with folks. Here's my guarantee that quite, don't quite get the significance of the Christmas story. God is using us and our hope is that as we get filled with this exceeding great joy that comes with pondering God's love and sending his son is that our stories will come out in these days leading up to Christmas. Because God is still alive. He is still active. And the significance and meaning of Christmas have not diminished a 
bit since the Magi found the baby and worshipped him. Father, thank you for this season. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for working throughout history. Thank you for working through Herod, for working through these religious leaders. Father, thank you for the Magi. Thank you for Joseph. Our prayer is that you will continue to draw us to yourself and fill us with the hope and with the love that is Jesus. And Father, continue to use us as vessels who encourage, who, who, who motivate others to ponder what's the real meaning of Christmas. Help us to help them find the significance of Jesus leaving the glory of heaven and coming to this world to save us from our sins. Father, that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.